The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. I had a very unusual week this week. I'm not sure if you uh, have had a, a normal week, if it has been the kind of thing where it's been business as usual. I haven't had business as usual in a long time. It has been uh, years, I think, since there's been anything that would be considered normal in my life. That being said, this previous week was highly unusual. Uh, obviously, you can even look around and see the effects of that. I mean, my own wife and children aren't here. My, my wife's not well this morning. Uh, you can keep her in your prayers. She's, she's going to be fine. But uh, obviously, even little things like that that are unusual or abnormal, they affect things. They affect routines. They affect habits. They affect our, our actions day to day. It was a very unusual week, but I want to share with you something in part. I mean, very much in part, because it needs to be edited. It needs to be edited for a number of reasons. One, not to overexpose. Two, because some of the content wouldn't be very appropriate. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a situation that was very uh, unpleasant. And, and then uh, three, because we're, we would run short on time. So uh, part of this week, one of the unusual things this week, I had had a day. Now, I, I'm, the only reason why I'm sharing this is because I think We've all had that, so we're laying kind of the foundation here. I can't imagine anybody in the room who hasn't had a situation uh, similar to this, where, where it seemed as if from the moment the day got started, now I would say from the moment the sun came up, but it started long before that. From the moment the day got started, it seemed like everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. You ever had a day like that? I mean, from the first phone call that comes in, and I think at this point that phone call came in at like 4.30 in the morning, and it was officer so-and-so of the Abilene Police Department. You know, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's, it's already started. We've got to deal with this, we've got to deal with that. That was a, a personnel issue. A, a gentleman that I work with was having an issue and, and was needing some assistance and some help. So the day started off odd and then it continued to get odd and then it continued to get even more odd from there and then uh, you would have challenges and issues things that were supposed to be done and promised to be done weren't done people didn't perform as they said they would all kinds of things that would ultimately lead to frustration or disappointment or stress you know we're all piling up and then uh, eventually you know you you come to the point where you realize there's only so much time in the day right so you begin to think to yourself, if I can just get through the day, it'll be okay. If I can just make it through the day right here and now, it's going to be okay. So you start watching the clock then thinking, what else could possibly go wrong between now and the time everybody goes home and goes to sleep? Well, so the day is beginning to expire and I finally get a chance to, to wrap up and tie up loose ends and I get to my home and and I, I'm talking to my wife. It, it's late. My family's already uh, asleep except for my wife. And I let her know today was one of the most challenging days of my life. So this is where we all have common ground. We've all had a most challenging day ever, no matter what. Now, it's not a contest to see whose challenge was, was the biggest or the greatest or whose day was the, the most challenging. But the point is we all have that in common. 
it was the most challenging day I've ever had. And, and I found some relief in knowing that, that at least seemingly it was over, right? I'm home. Uh, uh, there's my wife. I've got the comfort of her encouragement. And, and tomorrow is a new day. And then all of a sudden, ring, ring. And there's a communication there, and this communication begins, and it's, a, it's an individual who's very disappointed, very frustrated about something, and they begin to, to vent and release their frustration in very ungodly ways, uh, involving all kinds of, of slanders and accusations and threats and curses and all kinds of things like that. It was a lot to bear when you're coming on off of your, your kind of worst day ever. In fact, your, your immediate response and, and it may have been to, to react and get drawn into that and, and to get sucked into it. And, and fortunately, praise God, that didn't happen. But right about the time the thought was, you know, I, this has got to stop. I, it, it's got to come to an end at some point. It seemed to have like what I would refer to as a crescendo or or maybe a, a grand finale. Now, when I think of grand finale, I think of fireworks, right? You've been to a fireworks show, right? Where you see it and you're watching and they start off with But then when they're done, right, when they're wrapping up, it's it's just going off everywhere and you know this has got to be it. Well, so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what else could happen today? And sure enough, the grand finale kicks off, and it was, it was really a bizarre situation. And, and what I realized was, I'm dealing with something specific here. I'm dealing with, with words. I mean, everything that's being texted, everything that's being spoken, everything that's being, whether it's being whispered or whether it's being screamed and shouted, I, I, I'm dealing with words here. And I need to remember that. I want to talk about something specific in the scripture, and, and, and I'm not going about to, on, a, on a trail of the power of our words or anything like that, and we could because that is a very biblical thing. I want to talk about actions, because even in our culture, we have you know, a saying or, or kind of a man-made proverb that actions speak louder than words. And what I'm realizing here is in the middle of this grand finale, you know, when I'm at the, the, the lowest of my capacity, I really don't have the strength to endure what's going on. And, and I realize something that no matter how loud or how aggressive these words get that are coming my way, my actions, one way or another, will speak louder than those words. And our actions are really important. It's something that we ought to, to make a note of, we ought to watch, we ought to look at in everyday scenarios and situations. I mean, from how we respond to one another within our marriage, how we re respond to our children, how we speak to one another in our business relationship, how we minister to one another as believers. I mean, all of those involve words, but more than words, our actions produce who we are. I had an individual that I was working with who continues to have some struggles and some things. We're trying to help him out in a number of ways. And he made a string of bad decisions. Now, he's not the only person to ever say this. In fact, a lot of people tend to say this. But after making a string of bad choices or producing a string of bad actions, the individual made this comment to me. Now, keep in mind, comment. These are words. That's not who I am. 
Well, now, while I would agree in the sense that God made him to be victorious and that he has an identity in the kingdom of God, uh, while I agree that, that, that those things are, are all philosophically and biblically accurate and true, I had to stop and tell him, as long as that's what you do, it's going to be who you are. We've got to address your actions. It's very important that your actions become the thing that, that outweighs your words. You can say all day long that you don't want to do that, but if you do that, that's going to be a problem. Well, for most of us in the room, it's kind of an elementary thing. We hear that and we think, okay, that's, that's 101. But if we take this and look at it and apply it to our lives, I think we'll find that we could all use a little 101. Get back to the basics, so to speak. So I want to talk about actions for uh, uh, today's message here because I think it's important. One, we all deal with words flooding into our life. People saying things, people promising things, people uh, uh, making slanderous accusations or saying things that aren't true, uh, people saying hurtful things, people saying rejecting things. We deal with words. Words come our way. And oftentimes we feel like we should fight fire with fire. We should address words with words. Somebody makes an accusation, we feel the need to defend ourselves and, and do it verbally. And in this case, if actions speak louder than words, then I think we ought to consider the, the power and the worth of our actions in their combative role to those words. And that's where I want to go with this. So here in a moment, we're going to get into some scripture. Here's some stuff that we're going to find. Meant to be a little bit intriguing, maybe pique your curiosity and keep us engaged in the word. Uh, one thing that we're going to find is what we eat. What you eat as a Christian, as a believer, as a, as a human being, there's something that you're going to eat and we're going to find out what that is. Now, that's dangerous to promise that at 11 a.m. on Sunday when many of your mornings started so early because you're starting to think about fried chicken. And now all I can think about is fried chicken. So another thing we're going to find is what Jesus promises to do. What Jesus promises to do. Now, this is important to consider because Jesus is, is not a breaker of promises. I mean, Jesus is not going to say that he's going to do something and then not perform. He's not passive-aggressive. It's not a threat. It's not a form of manipulation. When he says he's going to do it, it's going to get done. And then a third thing we're going to find is what wise people do. What people who, who have, as the Bible puts it, a good understanding or are living a, a life of wisdom, what they do. We're going to see that in the Word. Uh, so I want to get right into the Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 3, verse 10. Isaiah 3, verse 10. So I want to just encourage you with this. When we are smaller in number like this, it helps to stay engaged. Feel free to acknowledge things that you really feel are speaking to you. You can just release a very subtle amen, and we will stay engaged together in the Word because I do believe that what we're looking at here is the difference between performing as God would call us to or potentially getting sucked into the trap of reacting to empty words that come our way. Isaiah 3 verse 10. This is a passage of scripture that is being directed to you. I mean, so if I were to ask in this room, who all here is a Christian? Okay, Most people in this room, when I look around, would be raising their hands. I'm a Christian. And, you know, I can tell you when I gave my life to Jesus, when I was born again, however you want to word it. 
So that would make you a righteous person. And your faith in Jesus, bringing the righteousness of Jesus Christ into your life, that would make you one of the saints, the holy ones, a righteous individual. So this passage of Scripture opens up with these words, Say to the righteous. So if that's you, this is talking to you, right? I mean, I know it sounds goofy, but it helps to realize that this is directed to me. This isn't just a passage of Scripture that I'm reading and I may be able to pull some things and apply it. This is being spoken directly to you. You are the ones who are righteous. Say to the righteous that it will go well with them, for they will eat the fruit of their actions. Remember, I told you we're going to find out what we eat. And then it goes on to say, woe to the wicked, it will go badly with them. What they deserve will be done to them. It's a really interesting passage of Scripture. And I mean, the world would love to adopt concepts out of this and label them things like karma and, and what you reap is what you sow and all kinds of sayings like that. But what we have here in the Scripture is a biblical promise. Now, one of the things that is encouraging to me as a believer is the way that passage opens. Now, I opened up with talking to you about this really rough day and and then this big grand finale, this barrage of words coming my way. And, and what I realize in the beginning of this scripture is I can always trust in this to be true. Because I am righteous in Jesus Christ, it will go well with me. That's a wonderful thing to be able to kind of hitch your wagon to, right? No matter how rough it gets, no matter how loud it gets, no matter how, how frustrating or disappointing, no matter how weak you get, no matter what, it can be understood and known because of the blood of Jesus, because of the righteousness that I would walk in in my faith in Jesus Christ, it's going to be okay. It will go well with me. And then you have this promise attached to that. Now, this promise is attached to that with the word for. Now, this is a really funny thing to me. I met someone uh, just the other day who told me that they've never uh, pulled a trailer before. It blew my mind. I thought, wow. I mean, because I've grown up around that. And, and so when I use words like hitch or attach or things like that, I mean, I just assume in Texas everybody knows what a hitch is, right? But maybe I should explain that. I mean, like it's what connects and attaches so that something can be towed along with. It's that point of connection, that point of contact. So in this case, we have this promise that it's going to go well with you, and we have hitched to that why it's going to go well. I mean, there's a reason for that. And when I see something here, it really is the point of the message, and we'll lay it as a foundation and build on it. Say to the righteous, it will go well with them. For. Now, for is an interesting word. The word for and the word because can be switched back and forth, right? I mean, you could say this, and I, we've, we've done this before, so it's nothing new, but you could say, I really hope he preaches fast because I'm hungry. But you could also say, I really hope he preaches fast for I am hungry. One of those just sounds a little different. We really don't speak like that anymore, but they're, they're interchangeable. They're one and the same. So you can put the word because in for four here, and here's what you'll get. Say to the righteous, it will go well with them because they'll eat the fruit of their actions. I mean, my actions in any situation or any circumstance are going to produce the outcome of that situation. They will produce what I ultimately consume in that situation. 
If I can behave myself, I will be able to eat the sweet results of those good actions. If I can keep self-control, if I can, can perform and produce as God would lead me and guide me to perform and produce, I will have a good result. And that will ultimately be what I will consume, what will nourish me, what will get me through that situation. Say to the righteous, it will go well with them because they'll eat the fruit of their actions. Do you realize that puts the result of any situation on you? It doesn't say, you know, say to the righteous, it'll go well with them, that person will cool off. Say to the righteous, it'll go well with them, the other person will, will come to their senses. But it says, say to the righteous, it'll go well with them because they're going to get what they produce. They're going to get to eat their response, the results of, of their uh, reaction or response to the situation or circumstance. It puts you, it puts me in the driver's seat, and that should put us in the position of giving a big hallelujah. My life is not subject to the nonsense of other people, but my life and the results that I will consume are only subject to me and my actions. And praise God, I've been anointed with the Holy Ghost to perform actions that will produce good fruit. And so have you. I want to give you a couple of passages, excuse me, of scripture here that talk about your actions. First of all, I want to identify just a definition for actions. Remember, we mentioned actions speaking louder than words. I want to give you a definition here of action. Action, an exertion of strength, power, or force. The reason why I want to offer that before we move any, fo any further forward is because I think it's important to see those, those words. I think it's important even to write them down in your notes, you know. I mean, strength, power, and force. Most of the time that words have come my way to beat me down, they have attacked those things. Those words have been an attack against my strength. Wanting to bring me to a point of weakness. Those words have been an attack against power. Wanting to make me feel impotent in a situation like there's nothing I can do about it. Those, those words are an attack against force. That there's no action that can be performed. Most of the words that have come washing toward me to bring about destruction have been an attack on my ability to perform an action. And it makes me realize the importance of my actions and, and the, the importance of how that word uh, is understood. And now I want to go to the scripture to see it applied, to see God's prioritization on it. I'll give you a few passages. This is not a complete list at all, but I want to give you a few. Psalm 62, 12. Psalm 62, 12 says, Loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you repay a man according to his actions. This is a really interesting passage of scripture to me. And, and, you know, the world is filled with different perspectives. Now, there might not be an infinite number of different perspectives. There, there might be two. There might be some that are positive, some that are negative. There might be some that would see the glass half full and some that would see the glass half empty. I'm not here to offer a, a final uh, definition of that, but I do think that you could have uh, multiple perspectives on this passage of Scripture, and I want to offer you one that that maybe I used to have and one that I have today. So loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you repay a man according to his actions. There would have been a time where I would have seen that as, as a warning. You better get it together because God's going to repay you according to your actions. Now, warning would be kind of the more mature way of saying a threat. 
you know. And in this case, I'm not saying that's a bad way to look at it, but I'm, I want to tell you how I see that passage of Scripture today. Today, when I read this passage of Scripture, I see it in its entirety and in its context. Loving kindness is yours, O Lord. You repay a man according to his actions. Notice it doesn't say violent vengeance is yours, O Lord. You repay a man according to his actions. But it's talking about God being a rewarder. That's what we see in Hebrews when we're seeing what a life of faith looks like. It's required to see God as a rewarder. In this case, God, you are loving, you are kind, you see our actions. You see when we respond righteously, even when we're afflicted unrighteously, and that produces something. You'll pay back for that. I see this as a positive verse, an encouragement to behave ourselves because God rewards that good behavior. Not a warning to not step out of line or else God's going to get you, but rather it's a declaration God is so kind and so loving when he sees your actions and your responses to the situations and circumstances that are trying to, to, to pull you and suck you into destructive behavior, ungodly behavior, he'll respond and he'll pay back for that. We can see God move on our behalf. I want to continue here in the Word so that we don't get hung up on any one passage of Scripture. Proverbs 24, 12. It says, if you say, see, we didn't know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? So I want to pause there and just ask you, who weighs the hearts? I mean, it's God. God looks on the heart. He understands the intentions in a decision or a choice. This passage of scripture goes on to say, and does he not know it? Does he not keep your soul? Will he not render according to your actions? I mean, this is a passage of scripture here that I love and lean on often. I, I am a, a man who's capable of making bad choices and decisions. This is identifying that God is always mindful of my heart. I mean, the choices and the decisions that I could make might be uh, choices and decisions that are outside of God's plan or outside of his will. Maybe there's something I did on my own, out of my own initiative. They don't even have to necessarily be bad, carnal, or sinful things. They might just be things that are in error and outside of God's ultimate plan for my life. But this is a passage of scripture that reveals that God is looking at your heart. Your motives, your intentions, and he's constantly rewarding and constantly responding to those things. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17.10. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind to give to each according to his ways, according to the results of his actions. So this is a really interesting thing to look at here because you understand God is looking at your heart, looking at your mind, and then repaying by your actions. You would think that it would just simply say, I, the Lord, observe all of your actions, and I will repay according to your actions. But this is something that we ought to let just provoke some thought here. That if God is repaying according to actions, why would he look at your heart and your mind? I mean, why wouldn't he just look at your punch list, the things that you did? I think it's important to understand that how we do something is as important as what we do. I mean, the attitude behind it. If our desire is to simply do what we're supposed to do, even though we, we hate it, we resent it, we don't like it, we may have accomplished the right thing, but we may have done it the wrong way. 
I mean, if I choose to love and cherish my wife because I have to, have I really loved and cherished her? If, if I choose to raise my children in the way that they should go because it's an obligation and a duty, have I accomplished anything? It's the motive and the driving force that is the fuel for the things that we do. And God is looking not only at our actions, but why we do those things. Motivation is, is extremely important. You know, in a situation when there's provocation and there's a desire to react, but yet we choose to respond in a godly way, that godly response is a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. But that godly response for the right reason is what makes it a powerful thing. To know and understand that there's pain on the other end, that somebody's obviously hurting, frustrated, wounded, disappointed, or, or afflicted. Perhaps they're none of those things and they're just simply deceived. But yet we carry the same anointing as Jesus Christ who said he came to deliver all of those things. To deliver from captivity, to deliver from affliction, to deliver from blindness or deception. We carry the same anointing of Jesus Christ to bring about the necessary deliverance to see to it that all of these afflictions are ministered to in power. That's our motivation. I want to give you a passage of scripture here. I mentioned we were going to see what Jesus promises to do. And I want this in here for a reason, because when you talk about actions, it's very easy for believers to, to begin to think about faith and works and all of these things. And, and you, can, you can find yourself in a debate that's outside of the direction that we're going with this. I want to give you the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus from Matthew 16, verse 27. I told you before we're going to find out a few things. One of those things was what Jesus promises to do. You'll find it here, Matthew 16, 27. Jesus is speaking, and he speaks of himself here as he identifies from the Old Testament what is coming in the future. The Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will repay every man according to his actions. What an interesting thing for Jesus to say. It, it really causes there to be an emphasis and a prioritization on our actions. Uh, Romans 2.6 uh, confirms this. It, it's a statement written by Paul to the Romans that says, God will render to each person according to his actions. I, I, I want to move to a different passage of Scripture here, a different direction, because one of the, the things that we can get caught up in is putting greater emphasis on words than actions. Whether it's in provocation and our response to provocation or, or whether it's in any aspect of our life, uh, we might be more interested in voicing our desires or our intentions than actually producing the actions that deliver those desires or intentions. And if we find that a greater emphasis is put on words than actions, we will ultimately find ourselves disappointed or those around us disappointed. Let me give you an example because it, it sounds a, a little philosophical. If I were to simply tell my wife all of the time that I loved her, but I did not treat her as if I loved her, would she feel loved? No, not at all. If I were to tell my sons that I value them and, and I'm committed to their, their being raised in a godly way and to see them successful and then I never treated them as such. I never gave them time. I never was with them and never supported them in the things they do. 
would they feel that that was being done? The point is, is that we can say a number of things, and the saying of those things doesn't produce anything except expectation. And when expectation is introduced and then expectation is dashed because there's no performance behind it, that's when we start to see heart sickness and depression and frustration. We've experienced those things. I would imagine almost everyone in the room has experienced that. Uh, the word says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Our words have got to be backed up by our actions or else it will lead to a life of disappointment, frustration, ultimately even depression, and it can become more destructive uh, as it advances. Let me give you a few passages of scripture that support this, this concept. Uh, one is Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke 6, verse 46. Again, it's Jesus talking and he's describing a scenario in which people have been very free with their words and they've not backed them up with their actions. Very loose with their words and very stingy or, or very non-performing with their actions. Luke 6, 46. It, it's Jesus speaking. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Okay, so there's verbal. There's words. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then do not do what I say? Why are you free with your words to identify me as, as Lord, as King, as having a position of authority or leadership in your life, and then you don't perform with your actions. You say it, but you don't do it. Now look at the result of this. Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? The result is separation. I mean, ultimately, it's depart from me, I never knew you, is how it's worded in the scripture. We see that when our actions are not prioritized, when we become a people of words only, and our actions don't line up, it's destructive. And you're not even talking about heathens here. You know, Jesus isn't writing to the owners of, of bars, clubs, and, and, and places of debauchery. He's talking to believers. He's talking to people who are willing to acknowledge and confess his lordship. Words must be backed by actions. Let me give you a couple other passages of Scripture for your notes. Uh, Matthew 7.24 and Luke 6.47, they're both uh, from the Gospels. They're, they're sharing the same uh, testimony here. And here's the gist of that testimony. Jesus is talking about uh, his words. He's talking about the things that he brings into our life through the Gospel, through the testimony of the, the prophets and, and all of the things that we stand upon and the Word of God. He's identifying you know, one mentality that is solid and another mentality that is not solid. It's, it's the building of the house, either on the sand or on the rock. And don't get hung up on the building of a house. Consider the building of anything. The building of a relationship, the building of a friendship, the building of a, a church community and a, a church relationship. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people come and go in church relationships. The building of anything in your life can either be built on a solid foundation where it's strong and can endure, or it's built on a shifting or moving foundation, where the moment there's any weight put against it, it collapses. So Jesus is identifying these two things, and listen to what makes the difference, the difference between that which is strong and that which is weak. Jesus says these words, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to the wise man who built his house on the rock. That's the one that can endure. That's the one that has the strength. 
It's not just hearing the words, but acting on those words. The actions are extremely important. Now, the one that hears the words and doesn't act on them is like the one who builds on the sand. Or even though they both build and they both do something, one endures and the other collapses. One can handle hardship and the other one cannot. Actions. Actions are the difference. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from the Proverbs. Proverbs 13, verse 3 and 4. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his mouth comes to ruin. I mean, this is one of those things that is not just about being careful what you say, but it's more about understanding that there's no deliverance in words. The deliverance comes in the actions. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here as we close. Uh, these are, are a, a group of scriptures coming from the Gospels, Matthew 15, 8 and Mark 7, 6 for your notes. But Jesus is acknowledging a group of people. And he acknowledges this people group as a group of people who honor him, but only with their words. Here's how he says it. This people honors me with their lips, but yet their heart is far away from me. Now listen to the result of this. Honoring with lips, but heart is far away. Here's, here's how the verse finishes. In vain they worship me. I mean, that is mind-blowing to hear those last words. First of all, he acknowledges what? That they worship him. You're talking about people who worship Jesus. And then when you begin to break down what he says, as you play it forwards, as you play it backwards, you begin to see that this group of people worships him and they do it in vain. I mean, I can think of no better description of in vain as just saying they're wasting their time. It's not going to be productive and it doesn't produce. Why is it not productive and why does it not produce? Because it's only in words. It's only in words. Our hearts would be far from God if all of our worship and all of our praise were limited to words and not devoted and lived out in actions. The call that we have upon our life is to be transformed. It's the reason why God would renew our hearts and our minds. The reason why he would empower us with the Holy Ghost. Also that he could not change our vocabulary, but so that he could alter and change our actions. Empower us to do the things that we're called to do. I want to give you a passage of scripture from Isaiah. Isaiah says the same things, and, and I, I, I want to emphasize what the result is. Now, I want you to consider this as we get to the result. And I really want to ask you, I know that it, we, we've, we're coming to the close here. It's easy to start thinking about what's next in your day, but lean in and pay very close attention to this. It's very important for all of us as believers. And I want us to consider the current days that we live in, the current culture that we live in. This passage of scripture from Isaiah comes from Isaiah 29, and I want to look at verses 13 and 14. It begins with this, Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lips, but then remove their hearts from me. Their reverence for me consists only of tradition. So he's made this statement in this declaration. Now here comes the result. That's the cause. Now here's the effect. Behold, I, not the devil, but God, I will take away their wisdom 
and I will remove their discernment. Now, when you turn on the TV and you watch headlines and you see interviews and you're listening to politicians, have you ever caught yourself saying they've lost their minds? There you go. Well, same thing. So you're dealing with the situation here where it's easy for us to look at our culture and think, where is the wisdom? Where is the discernment? I mean, some days it's a bigger clown show than other days. But I look at this and I think this is a sign of the times. And I need to examine even my own life to ask, am I deceived that I walk in wisdom? Do, do I walk in wisdom? Am I walking in understanding? Or have I only served God with my lips? Is my heart far from him? And has my discernment and my wisdom been removed from me? And am I just wandering around bumping into success by accident? I mean, we ought to evaluate ourselves. It's easy to evaluate others. But we ought to examine ourselves. Father, is my devotion to you in word only? Or do my actions line up with my words? I do not want to worship you in vain. I want all of my life that is devoted in to worship you to be uh, fruitful, productive, to have purpose. I do not want to waste my time. I remember when I was born again and, and there had been prophetic words in my youth about operating in ministry and those were things I resented and I really didn't want anything to do with. And, and I remember when I was born again and those words were activated in my life and, and I, I longed to fulfill them. I remember making it a statement to God. I mean, when you're just talking to God in, in prayer and fellowship and connection, and I remember saying, God, I'm only interested if it's real. Now, let me tell you something. I said that in, in, in a bit of an arrogant position of like, I'll serve you if it's real, right? Well, I got news for you. I guarantee you his response was, son, me too. <laughs> I'm only interested if it's real. If it's lip service and your heart is far from me, it's in vain. It's a waste. He's after our hearts. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here. I mentioned before we would find out what wise people do, what, what wisdom looks like in our lives. And we'll close with this from the psalm, Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm 111, verse 10, it, it, it reads like this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a good understanding have all of those who do his commandments. If someone were to ask me, Preston, what do you think the, the most important word in that passage of scripture is? I would say it's the two-letter word do. It doesn't just say, you know, those who know his commandments. It's not about Bible trivia or Bible IQ. It's about what we do with what we know. It's about the actions that we produce and perform with the direction and the counsel from his word that we have. And a life of understanding and a life of wisdom will be identified by our actions, not our words. Not about quoting a bunch of scripture or, or having it memorized, which is a wonderful thing and a very godly discipline, but about living it out. About actually producing and performing those things with our actions in our everyday life. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.